to um, plan an outreach event that we would do together. And all of that laid the groundwork and the framework for our two churches to merge together um, finally in June, a um, little less than two years ago. And so um, considering the last two years, wow, look what the Lord has done. You know, and so... Um, I'm super grateful for what the Lord has done and the way the Lord has shaped us and the way the Lord has brought people into his kingdom and is growing his church. Um, God has poured out his power among us. And this church uh, is the result of the, the powerful work of the spirit of the living God uh, among his people. And so um, the truth is God's not done yet. As a matter of fact, like this is like chapter like three of a pretty, pretty long book. And so we're really excited to see what God might, be, might have for us in the future. So um, don't just pause and be wowed by what God has done, but, but I want to encourage you this morning and embrace uh, with great hope what God is going to do in our community and our city in the days ahead. So a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Augustine in his sermon began to talk a little bit about a new uh, statement that would be an, a kind of an identity statement for us, like, who are we as a church? And so um, he introduced that. It was pretty quick. We blew by it pretty fast. But we wanted to take just a second and talk about it. And this morning he mentioned that it's that Metairie Church is a community of disciples on mission. And so um, we're going to begin this morning uh, talking uh, about what it looks like to be a community together. And so our hope is uh, in the coming months as we do other Big Breakfast Sundays that we can focus in just a little bit on other aspects of who we are as a church and just take a moment to remind ourselves. But this morning I want to focus in on this idea of the church as a community or the church as a family. Our hope is that you begin to see that we're a community of disciples on mission. We're a community of disciples on mission in slides and, um, you know, in our sermons and uh, in our conversations with one another, maybe in T-shirts and coffee. I don't even know. But our hope is that it's something that's not just uh, something we talk about, but that it's, a, it's an identity that we embrace, that we are a community together that Christ has saved, that we are a group of people that are seeking to become more like Christ through biblical discipleship, that we're on the same mission that Jesus came to accomplish in the world, and that is to bring the hope of God's salvation um, to the earth. And so uh, we're a community of disciples on mission. So this morning we're going to talk a little bit, we're going to set aside our Who's Your One series For just one week, we're going to come back to it next Sunday, and we want to take just a minute and talk about this idea of the church as a community. Pause for just a second. Look into all the faces at your table. Just take a second and do it. You can smile at them, you know, interact with them. Now, look around more broadly. See that there's other tables around the room. Look at some of those faces. Here's what I want you to know. These are your people. Now, we, we think we have all kinds of people in the world, and, and we do. We have biological families, and we have people that we went to college with that we're friends with, and we have these different groups. But in the kingdom of God, like these are your people. If you're a part of this body, if you're a part of this church, a member with us, these are your people. They're your people. You know, the church is divided into, is, is one big, great, grand family, the the Christian church worldwide. But God has designed the church in such a way where he has created small local communities within this family that identify together, that love one another, that serve one another, that walk life together. And uh, God's intention is for us to be intentional in each other's lives and that our lives are pointed towards the eternal things together. 
all those other relationships, maybe your biological family, if you're in a family that is Christian and is, is intensely focused on, on the things of the Lord, but unlike any other set of relationships in the whole wide world, uh, this is your eternal, eternally focused family. This is your people. You are my people. I am your people. My family is your people. You are my family's people. We are each other's people. I'm reminded of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, where it says, um, In love, God predestined us for adoption to himself as sons and daughters through Christ Jesus, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Did you catch that? That we're adopted into this family. Our family knows a little bit about adoption. We won't get into all the details of it, but you know, when someone first comes in to a new family, they're not fully adopted yet, but they're getting used to the family. There's some reality to that when someone comes in the door of our church. It's, it's a little bit like foster care. You're figuring each other out. You're dealing with some difficulties and struggles. You're sharing the truth of the gospel. You're calling people into relationship with God, but it's, it's kind of this weird, kind of feels a little funny if you haven't been in a church. But then there's a day when someone comes to faith in Jesus or maybe they were already a Christian and they're, they become a member of the body and they get, they get a new name. They're a part of the family. That's, what this, that's the implications for this particular verse. And so scripture teaches that we're a part of a family together with God as our father. So this morning we want to talk about some of the ways that the uh, early church modeled um, Christian family. Uh, or faith family, or community for us. And we want to take this section of Scripture in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, and draw out, and this is going to be, I promise, super fast, some bullet points, nine of them, actually. Bullet points, some observations from this, this um, pretty familiar text. Augustine already read it, but uh, number one, if you're writing things down, feel free. If not, just kind of tuck these away in your head. We want to encourage you to write if you can. Uh, in the early church... This section of scripture was the very beginning of the church. That the Holy Spirit had just come. 3,000 people came to faith. They were all in Jerusalem, sort of sorting through what early church life would be. And this text talks about what it's like. And the first thing to write down is, community was immediate. Community was immediate. It was immediate. Almost everyone in the early church was brand new to Christianity and the community of faith. Just a few days before um, this particular text, 3,000 people came to faith in response to the Apostle Peter, Peter's powerful sermon. Immediately, they were brought in the community. Can you imagine? Um, Courtney, so like we bring new, two or three new families in every couple of months, and we're trying to see them connect and become, be, be a family. Can you imagine it being your job to assimilate 3,000 people in one foul swoop? That's their job. But we see very quickly after this text that all of a sudden they're meeting house to house, they're walking life together, they're family together. I don't know how that works apart from the power of the Spirit of God. But they were family together. There was an immediacy about it. You know, churches today have a hard time bringing new people in, into the church sometimes. Um, you know, it's hard to ha help people feel like they belong in a part, and are a part of a community of faith. But can you imagine doing that with 3,000 at once? The truth is that we've been adopted into a family, and uh, the truth is, those of us who know Christ, we know the joy of salvation in the church. So when someone new comes in church, we ought to go nuts with excitement that a new face walks in the door. We ought to be ecstatic that new families walk in the door, and we ought to work as hard as we possibly can without being super weird 
but as hard as we possibly can to see them loved well, served well, and included in the family. Even if they, they don't know Jesus yet, or they're not, connect, they're not, not pursuing membership yet. The, even if it's a foster care season, we want to love and we want to serve and we want to bring them in and, and make it as uh, inclusion, as, me, as immediate as possible. We've been filled with the Spirit of God. We know love and joy and peace and patience, all these things that are required to, to love and bring someone in. And so um, we want to make it as immediate as possible that we include people. You know, here's something that you might want to lean in on. Sometimes when people that are new come into the body of Christ, into the church, maybe they just gather, our hearts aren't quite there yet concerning the, the familialness of it all, Right? Because they're new. We don't know them. They don't know us. We haven't walked together. But you know what? Um, you can walk as family and the, let the Spirit um, ca- cause the heart to catch up. And He will, because God's given us the love that we need to embrace people, not just with our actions, but embrace them with our, with our hearts. And so I want to encourage you, step outside of yourself, step outside of what might feel normal in relationship building, and... Begin to build into people who are brand new in the life of the church. Because community in the early church was immediate, and we need to work. And I'm so thankful for Courtney and the work that she does in hospitality. It's part of the purpose of what she does. We need to work together to bring people in and help them feel loved. Uh, Second, community is committed. Do you notice the text says that they devoted themselves? In other words, they were committed. They were committed to the body of Christ and to the essential functions of the church. They knew they were committed because they knew they deeply needed one another. They were being persecuted as they were sharing Christ and people were coming to faith. There was no, oh, you know, there's a football game on today, so I think I'm going to miss church. You know, there was none of that in the early church. There was no, I was too tired because I was out too late with my friends last night. No, 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 no. There wasn't any like, I'm just not feeling the Jesus thing this week going on. No, these people were dealing with some difficulty because they'd chosen to follow Christ Jesus and they knew that they desperately needed one another. And out of their desperate need for one another and for the Lord, they were deeply committed to the gathering of the body. Did you, did you notice that in the text that they didn't gather on Sunday and maybe Bible study during the week? The text says that they gathered day by day. Day by day. We got it pretty easy. We're gathering like maybe two times a week. But the truth is, the deeper we recognize our need for Christ in the church, the more deeply committed we'll be to the gathering of the body. And so the early church, they had a deep need for Jesus to survive, to know joy in their suffering. Do you know that your need's not any less? It's just that sometimes we don't recognize it. And so recognize your deep and desperate need for Christ in his church. Be committed like they were. Be devoted like they were. Three, community was also intentional. Do you notice that there were four things that they did together over and over and over and over and over and over in the text? It was intentional. The text says that they were uh, devoted to the apostles' teaching. The way that we might understand that is um, learning and growing in the word of God. They were devoted to fellowship. In other words, they were devoted to the relationships that um, they walked with in the context of, of their community, of their faith community. They were deeply devoted to building those relationships and having intentional relationships with those people. Three, they were devoted to the breaking of bread. This breaking of bread is a uh, reference basically to um, communion. Did you know today we're celebrating every one of these four things? Towards the end, we're going to celebrate communion together. We're felt, we're um, 
learning from the word, apostles teaching. We are uh, fellowshipping and being intentional in relationship with one another around a, a breakfast meal. We're going to break the, break the bread of the body of Christ and the, the, um, the wine to, later on today as a part of this service and celebrate communion, remembering what Christ has done. And the last one says, and they devoted themselves to the prayers. They were seeking God together in prayer constantly. And here in a few minutes, we're even going to encourage you around the table to share a need and uh, to pray for one another. And so these four things were essential functions of the church, and we're practicing them today. When we gather for small group, or we gather for worship, or we're gathering um, for coffee, or having dinner with friends, these are the things that we ought to be um, including day in and day out. We need to be intentional in our effort to be disciples and to walk as disciples of Jesus. You know, some Christians don't really think they need community. It's a common thought. They think, I can learn on my own. Notice I'm kind of working through these four things. I can learn on my own. I've got friends already. I don't really need to gather for worship. I can worship on my own. I don't need to pray with others. I mean, I can pray on my own. I can listen to Christian radio. I can find a sermon on a podcast. You know, I can do all this stuff. I can do this on my own. I'm cool. But church, God didn't, that's not how God designed this thing. In repentance, when we come to faith in Jesus, we certainly are repenting from our our sinful, like uh, um, self-focused lives and turning towards Christ Jesus. But did you know that we're also turning into the church? We're turning away from living isolated or community kind of um, relationships in the world-centered lives. And we're turning towards walking with Christ and being supported and surrounded by the people that are, that are part of the body of Christ, our local church. Because all of a sudden, we need those people because all these other folks that we, that we turned towards Christ and away from, now they're people we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus to to share the good news and the hope of Christ. So the purpose of those relationships change. And so um, we can't fulfill the purposes for which we were created apart from the community of God. So um, let's be committed. Let's be intentional. Number four, community was in awe. I love this part of this text. Verse 43 says, and awe came over every soul. You know, the early church was in awe of God. Some of them had seen Jesus raised from the dead. They're now relating to God by His Spirit through the sacrifice of Christ in a brand new way, in a direct way, in a loving way, in a beautiful way. God was their loving Heavenly Father, and they're receiving daily that Father's love, and they're in awe of Him. They're in awe of Him. Each individual was was not in awe uh, on their own, like in isolation. But the text implies that they were in awe together of God. Their community and their fellowship and their discipleship and their worship as they did those things together, together they were encouraging a grand view of God, a beautiful view of God, a high view of God, and together they were in awe of God. It was a communal awe, a body of Christ's awe, not an individual awe. Individual awe certainly existed, but the, the um, implication for this particular text is that they were in awe. It came, came on every soul in the body of Christ. You know, in community, in the church, our teaching ought to invoke awe. In the church, our fellowship ought to invoke awe of God. Our worship and our, our celebration of communion ought to invoke awe of the grace and mercy of God. Our prayer lives ought to invoke awe. When we share prayer needs and we see God move among us through our, the prayers of his people, we ought to be in awe of, of who God is as we share those 
needs uh, confessionally and we see God move. It ought to bring about greater awe for God. Number five, community was powerful. Verse 43 continues, And awe came over every soul, and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. When the church is filled with the Spirit of God, when the church is living and loving in unity, um, great spiritual power exists in the church. Power that defeats sin. Power that heals sickness. Power that leads people to um, lay down their old life and take up a new life in Christ Jesus. When we're in awe of God and we're walking in community together, God does great things through a church that that has a high and and awful, awe-filled view of God. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a church that uh, is constantly seeing sin defeated, struggles defeated, sickness uh, healed. Be a part of a church that's um, involved in a major spiritual awakening in our community where people are coming, moving from spiritual death to spiritual life in Christ Jesus. I want to be a part of a church like that. Number six, community was together. Verse 44 says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. So this text says that they were together. They spent a lot of time together. Verse 46 says that they went to temple together and they broke bread in their homes together and they received food uh, day by day together. In other words, at every moment and every opportunity, they were were together. They took the opportunity to be together. And uh, not just physically, But as they focused their minds and hearts on the truth of God's word, as they were in awe of who God is together, they were also not just physically together, but they were of one mind and one heart together in their love, in their belief uh, of God and in in their love for God. They were together. Church, uh, one of the things I'm grateful for is, is our sense of togetherness and unity and love for one another, but we can always do better in the area together. Number seven, uh, community shared provision. Verse 45 says that they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all that that, that had need. Uh, This isn't some sort of like Christian communism. (laughs) Um, What this basically means is anytime there was a need in the church, they were willing to make sacrifices of their own lives and their own provision and their own resources in order to meet those needs to make sure that no one in the body had, had a need. That they weren't hungry, that they weren't, uh, they weren't without clothes, they weren't without shelter. The community shared provision together. Number eight, the community was joyful. The text says that they had glad and generous hearts. They were filled with praise to God and all the people favored them. Man, that's pretty cool. I don't know about you. I don't know if you struggle with joy or not, but let me tell you, um, if, if you're joy deficient, recognize first the greatness and the goodness of God, recognize that he has chosen you to be adopted into his family, and recognize that there's great benefit uh, to being a part of a family of God who wants to continually point you to the things that will lead to greater joy. God's given you everything in salvation and in the church and in his spirit and in his word to bring about a joy-filled life. He's done that. The early church was filled with joy, and we have the opportunity to be filled with joy. If you're struggling with joy, I want to encourage you, dive deeper into the community of faith. We will teach you. We will point you to Jesus. We will encourage you. We will remind you of what Christ has done. We will pray for you and joy will grow. Joy joy will grow. The last thing I have on here is that uh, community was impactful. Community was impactful. The very last line in the text says, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. 
You know, I do think that there's things that we should be doing to see others come to faith in Jesus. I mean, as a church in this series we're in right now, we're identifying one person that we're praying for and we're encouraging and we're sharing Jesus with them as much as we possibly can. We have a responsibility in that. But you know what? Uh, there's also an, an environment and a reality to our lives that needs to be true. If we're going to make an effort in a particular person's life and we bring them in here, we need to be a church that is, is, is living this community thing out. Because the truth of the matter is, uh, that early church community, it was weird in the world of that day. They were calling each other brother and sister. Imagine this. They're calling each other brother and sister. No one did that. They were drinking wine that they talked about it representing someone's blood who had risen from the dead. Weirdos. It's it's revolutionary. It's strange. It's unusual. But for some reason, people were drawn into that community. People were being saved. They were being redeemed. They were being forgiven. They were being included. And a movement, worldwide movement began. Resting on the, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so let's make an effort to see people engage with the truth of the gospel of Jesus and embrace Christ with their whole lives. But let's also make sure we're the kind of community of faith that causes people to go, wow, I want to be a part of that. I mean, I think days like today aid us in that, you know. I know that there's a handful of folks that are kind of new to the church and like, this is so strange, but it's kind of cool. You know, we want to be the kind of church that demonstrates love and demonstrates care and uh, demonstrates the beauty of Christ Jesus. So, so here's the deal. I'm praying, Augustine, Laura, other leaders in the church, we're praying that we would be a community of faith, that when people engage here, when they see our love for one another, when they feel the love of God through us, that they go, God is here. God is among these people. We want to be that kind of people. And so uh, this morning... I want to invite us um, together to spend um, just a couple of minutes asking the Lord to, um, to lead us to become the sort of community that um, demonstrates the goodness um, and grace of, of God day in and day out. Can I, uh, can I pray for us? Father, thank you so much for this uh, church. I thank you for all the ways that this church demonstrates the beauty of Christ Jesus. Father, I pray that um, even today, people who are new to us, maybe there's people in the room that don't have a relationship with Jesus, they would feel the love of God in this room and that it would compel them to want to know more about Christianity and know more about walking um, life with Jesus. Father, in the ways that um, we need to grow in our demonstration of the beauty of God in in our community of faith, Lord, lead us and guide us. Help us. Father, I pray this morning that if there's people in the room that don't know you, that you draw them to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I'm going to turn it over to Laura here for just a few minutes. But before I do, I just want to say this. If you're here today and uh, you're new to Christianity, maybe you know you're not a Christian and you're kind of checking this thing out. uh, If you have questions or you want to talk to someone about what it looks like to be a part of the family of God, the body of Christ, what it looks like to be um, one of God's children, adopted son or daughter, Just know, Pastor Augustine and I and Laura and other leaders in the church, nothing gives us greater joy than to get to talk to you about those things.
And so after, this, after we're done today, would you just come find me or Laura or Augustine and say, hey, I want to I enter a, a, a journey where I'm, I'm figuring out what it looks like to know and follow Jesus. And you may have a friend that brought you here today that, that you know knows Jesus and you know that they're a Christian. They can help you through that as well. So we want to encourage you in that. Laura, would you come and lead us?